You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Lord, as we read that passage, we see such a challenge there. But Lord, help us to not just palm it off as too hard or, or out of our abilities. But Lord, to, to help us, I pray that you would help us to learn from this passage tonight. That we would be able to, to see more of you in, in not just this passage, but in our lives as well. And pray your blessing over this time now, in your name. Alright, so tonight's Mirror Mirror continuation of this, of this series is called Hashtags. Who's used the hashtag? Most of us would have. For those of you who don't know what hashtags are, they are, you can see the, that little symbol there is called a hashtag. And then the word after it is, is a key word or a phrase that is, is used to sort of make um, searches more accessible in, in social media. A click, click, pardon me, clicking or tapping on the hashtagged word can um, make it show up where there's other people that have used that hashtag on social media. Some of the, the hashtags that I've used are pastors musing. Uh, I'll just quickly go through them. Sunset, so blessed, food coma, bacon, <laughs> hashtag bacon makes everything better. Black Lives Matter, that might be one you've seen. And here's one Mitch used during the week, pastor for the pastor, as I said that I was struggling with this sermon. <laughs> we like to categorise things, don't we? We like to put labels on things. We label things in, in various areas of our lives, work, home, family, fun, friends. And as we explored last week, we we often categorise people by the way that they look, by their outward appearance. But we learnt that, that God looks at, not at their outward appearance, but at ours and their hearts. But we also lay, tend to label people in terms of their job, their, their past or their family. Um, and we can sometimes even, even label people by the, the people that they hang out with, their sexual orientation, their faith, their, whether they're Christian, atheist, Buddhists, Muslims. We've got lots of categories for, for labelling people, don't we? In our passage tonight, in Matthew chapter 5, we see that Jesus teaches us against labelling people. Against labelling people as uh, friends or enemies, specifically. And I want to move through our passage tonight in a way that, that looks at verse 43 first off, and the history behind what Jesus is saying. But then we'll look at verse 44 and 45 and see how God doesn't label people. He doesn't label people in the same way that we do. And then we'll look at verse 46 to 48. And we'll see how we are commanded to love people regardless of labels. So kicking off, verse 43 says, You have heard it said, 
You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now when you hear Jesus say the words, you have heard that it was said. He's talking about the Mosaic law. But more specifically, he's talking about the extended teaching of the Mosaic law. The, the words that, that um, teachers of the law would have used to extend upon um, Moses' words. You can see that it's different from when Jesus quotes scripture. He says, it is written. But now when he says, you have heard it said, he's talking about what men say, not what God says specifically in in the Old Testament. There is nothing at all that says for people to hate their enemies in the Old Testament. There is plenty of instruction, however, of how to treat your neighbours and your fellow Israelites. In Leviticus 19, verse 18, we see that the, the command to, to not take vengeance or bear grudges against the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. So these are God's words to his people, to to love their neighbour as themselves. God initially gave this, mo- this law to Moses, this command to Moses and the Israelites, teaching them to love each other and not hold grudges against each other. But you can see that this says nothing at all about hating your enemy. So we can assume that, that this law had been extended upon by the teaching of men. There may have been a, a certain arrogance from the teachers that, that may have crept in, you know, that we should just treat our, our fellow people as our, as, um, as our friends, but then everyone else can just go to heck. But in any, anyway, you can see that there's been some labelling or hashtagging that's going on, going on within Israel. And Jesus is certainly addressing this. It's important to remember that that Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's speaking to people who have followed him around throughout the land for the last couple of years as he's ministered to them and, 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 um, and taught them. And so as Jesus' followers today, this, this verse... This passage is extremely important to us as well. Now, the neighbours that Jesus speaks of in verse 43 does not necessarily mean geographical neighbours, but more like their own brothers and sisters and and those that belong to the kingdom of Israel. They must have been taught to, to only treat their own countrymen and their own people with, with the same sort of dignity and the respect that they, des- they desired for themselves. And Jesus speaks about this as well, about not treating just your countrymen kindly, but treating your neighbours kindly. One passage that comes to mind of Jesus' further teaching is the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, the Samaritans were the geographical neighbours of the Israelites and yet they were hated by the Israelites. 
The man in the story of, of the Good Samaritan is an Israelite who was coming down from Jerusalem, most likely after, after being at, at the temple in Jerusalem, and he's robbed and beaten and left for dead by the side of the road. A priest comes down from, the, from Jerusalem, probably most likely from serving God in the temple, and he sees the man lying beside the road and he, he doesn't even help him. In fact, he crosses to the other side of the road and goes around. A Levite comes along and the same thing again. He's pretty much the same kind of person as a priest and he does the same thing. He goes around him. They weren't willing to help one of their own kind of people. However, the Samaritan that comes along, the good Samaritan, he helps the man, pays for a room, gives him, uh, gives him money to, to get him back to full health and, and comes back later to check on him. And so it turns out that the Samaritan was a godlier person than the Israelites, the priest and the Levite. And Jesus was teaching that even though Samaritans are considered as enemies of the people of Israel, they can be capable of, of merciful acts. So not only were the Israelites labelling people in terms of those who are neighbours or enemies, and Jesus is speaking against that, but they were labelling people as just or unjust, worthy or unworthy, and Jesus says that they shouldn't do this either. Have a look at verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I want you to think about your current position in Jesus right now. Do you consider yourself a son or a daughter of Jesus? If you have placed your trust in him, then whether you feel like it or not, you are a son or daughter of Jesus. You are a son or daughter of your heavenly father. Do you remember that it rained during the week? Did it just rain on the ground around you and I? Or did it rain everywhere around us? Like, I don't know, around Brisbane. And the sun came up this morning, didn't it? Did it just shine on you and I as sons and daughters of, of God? No, at some stage everyone saw the sun come up and had the sun's rays on us, on them at some stage. And if we were counting on the rain for growing our food in a sustainable kind of way, as the Israelites did, this analogy would carry a bit more meaning to it. Jesus' audience had, had to rely on the rain and the sun to grow their daily food. They didn't have shops or 7-Elevens. And so this, this analogy carries a bit more weight to it when, when, we see, when we see it in that sort of light. God doesn't just send rain to good people. 
he sends it to everyone out of his goodness. And so Jesus is saying that God the Father doesn't place labels on who he allows to benefit from his goodness. He allows everyone to benefit from the sun and the rain. Both of these things give life. You can't grow food without rain. You can't grow food without the sun. And so God in his goodness doesn't make distinctions on who can grow food and who can't. Look at Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. So a certain level of God's goodness flows from him to everyone, all living things, all mankind. He allows us to live and and he provides for us. And this is seen as God's benevolence. Hashtag big word. God's benevolence. Benevolence means goodness, kindness, compassion. Let's have another look at, at verses 46 to 48. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus is telling his followers that they must not make distinctions on who they show love to. In the same way that God doesn't make distinctions on who he shows love to and who he shows his goodness and compassion and kindness to. In fact, Jesus turns this initial statement of love your neighbours on its head. And he says, pray for your enemies. Pray, for, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He's flipped it around and, and made it completely countercultural. He's saying that there's so much more involved in being a follower of Jesus than just loving those who are easy to love. It's a huge statement, isn't it? This love that Jesus is speaking here is agape love. And I'm not going to um, claim for a second that I'm a Greek expert, but it's a, the Greek word for um, just a, a love that we cannot understand, pretty much. The love that, that God has for us. Not the same kind of love that a husband would have for his wife or a, or a dad would have for his daughter but a love that is comprising of benevolence, of goodness, of kindness and compassion. And it's the kind of love that seeks nothing but the highest good for all creatures and all people. The kind of love that God gives us. This is the kind of love, as I said, that, that God gives us, where he seeks nothing but our highest good. But also the kind of love that God has for everyone. 
And Jesus says that it's this kind of love that we should have for our enemies, that we should pray for those who persecute you, persecute us. I don't know about you, but do you pray for those who persecute you? Have a think about, I mean, we don't receive much persecution here in Australia, but do we pray for those who don't treat us with goodness and kindness and compassion? I don't know about you, but I'm certainly guilty of, of not praying for those who persecute you, who persecute me. Like I said, not that I receive much persecution. But sometimes I don't even pray for, for those who, who I need to. Instead, for those who aren't, aren't easy to love, I, I label them. I put hashtags on them. I label them as either homeless or poor or whatever the case may be and, and ultimately what I'm doing is, is saying I'm willing to accept God's goodness and kindness and compassion and yet I'm not willing to see you as worthy of that as well you see this is what is required of us as followers of Jesus that we are are required to, to show love in the same way as, as love has, has been shown to us. Have a look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Hashtag another big word, propitiation, the replacement or the in place of our sins. If God is able to love us and, and not label us either worthy or unworthy of his love, then why do we do this to people around us? These very people around us are as, in, as much in need of a saviour as we are. These people around us are as much deserving of the undeserved grace as we are. How can we expect to be recipients of God's grace and goodness and kindness and compassion that he has had for us in Jesus while we were his enemies and yet not be willing to pass that on to others? This should not be, should it? Jesus tells us that we should be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And again, it's a big, big, big claim. 
I don't know about you, but I am far from perfect. I don't love in the same way that Jesus loves. I don't even love those who are easy to love in the same way here that Jesus asks us to love. I label people and ha- put hashtags on people that that are, you know, even by the way that they dress or the way that they smell. And I certainly don't pray for my enemies on a regular basis. I don't have many em- enemies, but I don't pray for my enemies on the same way that Jesus asks us to. Even just last week, I labelled Kim Kardashian as someone who I don't like. But she's just in much of, in need of a saviour as I am. But this is another avenue of God's love. He allows us to, to learn from our mistakes, to move towards perfection. He doesn't let us stay where we are in terms of holiness. He expects us to, to move towards perfection. But he doesn't expect us to be perfect before he will shower his blessing upon us. But again, he doesn't leave us there. He expects us to move towards perfection. I don't know whether you noticed, but being a follower of Jesus involves moving towards him. Moving towards, taking the initiative to move towards God because because God has already made the initiative of moving towards us. Friends, that's how we can love in this way, in this, in this godly way. That's how we can love in this way, by being constantly reminded of the way that God has loved us first. In the way that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for our sake, to, to display the love of Jesus, love of God. And in a second, we're going to come around the communion table and, um, and just be reminded of this. I want you to do something a little bit different tonight. I've, I've got a, a full loaf that's going to signify um, Jesus' body and his, his blood. I'm going to break this loaf in the same way that Jesus was broken for us. But this is where you come in. I want you to do something a little bit different tonight. The, the body and the blood of Jesus isn't going to be handed out to you. It's already been handed out to you. I want you to come forward tonight and, and receive that in the same way that, that God has already made the initiative and, and the step towards us. This will signify our commitment towards him our level of, a, of moving towards his perfection. There is gluten-free bread here for those who, who need it. So I ask that 
I'm going to set up two spots at each of the aisles. I ask that you just move forward, take a piece of bread, a chunk of bread of Jesus' body, and, um, and then the glass of juice and, and take it back to your seat. So please come forward as you're as you are willing and ready. This is Jesus' body broken for you so that you can love more like God. And this is his, his blood that, that washes you clean of your sins, not just once but forever. So take and eat of the, the body of Christ as it's been broken for your sake. And the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for for the way that you challenge us and encourage us ever so strongly to be more and more like you but Lord that you have made the, the first step 
in order to have a people called by, by your name. Not only a people called by your name, but a, a people bought by your sacrifice. And Lord, as we remember that tonight, I pray that you would help us to be perfect as you are perfect. Help us to love in the way that you call us to love, to, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And to especially love those who are, who are easily loved. Lord, I pray for, for your love to be front and center of our hearts and our minds every day. That we would be reminded of, of the great love that you have shown in Christ Jesus. Lord, again, I thank you for, for what you have done for us. And, and I pray that you would help us to, to be more and more like you every day. In your name I pray. Amen. Please just pass your um, glasses to the end of the row and we'll come around and pick them up.